Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody. So great to see you. Thank you so much for for coming. Um, yeah, I thought we'd start out today. I thought we'd chat about about prayer today. I guess the, the title um, that I was putting on the newsletter and whatnot was "Prayer Does It Have a Place in in Buddhism?" And in some way, that's a funny question because it seems like you know we're praying all all the time. Right, we're praying all the time in Buddhism. There's a refuge prayer, and uh, you know the Bodhisattva prayer. There's all these prayers in in Buddhism. And my good buddy John, there, John Casey, what's up? <laughs> he he likes to say, "Hope it's okay for me to say this, John." He calls himself a prayer chimney. I love that. <laughs> He's like, "You gotta be a prayer chimney," you know, sending out these Bodhisattva wishes um, praying for all beings to be happy to be free from suffering ourselves included so these are all prayers and, and aspirations but there's a second piece to it you know in um, in that the the non-self piece and I'll just kind of read this this quote really quick by Soigel Rinpoche and it says Buddhists pray but who are we praying to? We think of Buddha as not being outside self, but within. From one point of view, even when we prostrate or pray to a statue, we are connecting ultimately to our own Buddha nature. Both the statue and ourselves can be understood to be empty, making the topic of prayer in Buddhism a difficult concept. And Thich Nhat Hanh says, um, the emptiness of prayer, who do we pray to? Something really similar. You and the Buddha are not separate realities. Of course, that's a quote we hear, you know, not just from Thich Nhat Hanh, but we hear that around. You and the Buddha are not separate realities. So who are, who are we praying to? Or the, the one who bows and the one who is bowed to are both by nature empty. So that's a, a common phrase. Um. Yeah, so kind of like to explore that. And I was thinking of a couple questions that I think we could explore together. And I'm really looking forward to uh, the group part of this because I'd like to hear your feedback on, on what prayer means to you. But a couple questions I think that we can kind of just throw out there in the beginning and then unpack as we go. And that's uh, the first one would be, is prayer in Buddhism more directed towards an inner shift or to acquire something external? Because I think prayer sometimes, um, I was raised, you know, attending Catholic school. So, you know, 12 years, I was around, you know, I wasn't raised Catholic, <clears throat> but went to, went to a Catholic school. And sometimes we prayed for things that were outside of ourselves, you know. But, 
but Buddhism seems to me more about transforming the mind. So we're just kind of look at those two different things. And along those same lines, maybe a little bit a little bit different. The second question is, is prayer in Buddhism like relative and ultimate bodhicitta, where it is a good starting point as an intention to change the mind, and it will eventually turn into an experiential understanding. So we see this like in relative and ultimate bodhicitta, where we have this aspiration to attain um, a certain a certain way of being, and through that aspiration, there is a, a transformation that becomes uh, a reality. So I thought we'd, we'd play around with this. Uh, my first really, like, kind of impactful experience with prayer came when yeah I don't know how old I was I don't know maybe I'm thinking like fourth grade-ish something like that and the teacher the teacher uh, had a big jar of candy it was huge it was such a it was a huge jar of candy and I don't know why but she said that whoever guessed how many pieces of candy were in the jar, whoever got closest uh, to getting it correct got the whole jar of candy. And it was like impossible because there was hard candy in there. And then there was like, she like poured in like M&Ms, you know, stuff like that, like small candy. And it was massive. So there's no way, there's no way to really guess. And so I remember praying, like, I wanted this candy so bad. <laughs> I think there was a candy, I can't remember which one, but there's a candy in there that I really wanted, and I wanted this so bad. So I prayed like I had never prayed before. <laughs> Just so silly, like, for the candy. So silly. But anyway, I remember praying so much that I knew, I knew I was going to, I was going to be right. I knew it. There, it. Something came over me and that I knew that I was going to get it. And I forgot what I said. I, it was like, it was so many, it was like maybe a thousand something pieces of candy in there or something, something ridiculous. And I was uh, the closest and, and I got the candy. <laughs> But it had an impact on me because I thought, man, this prayer stuff works. <laughs> and you can get stuff. You can get cool stuff like candy, you know. And as an example of, uh, you know, for me, it was an example of the external piece. Like I was praying for something completely external, like, yeah, that I could that I could get something from prayer like that, and I had a completely opposite experience, which had a really big impact on me as well. And that was <clears throat> when I started working in the in mental health. I started working at a center, and many times I would be the, um, you know, I would be. Yeah, in the room with somebody. I'd be the only one really there in the room with this individual. And 
and I would be offering up a treatment. So I was a technician and offering up a, a modality for um, depression and anxiety. So I was just kind of there to to man the machine. And then t- during that period of time, um, I would teach meditation. But oftentimes the patients were so severe that there was no meditating. We wouldn't be able to meditate at all. And sometimes the patient was so severe, we were just hoping, you know, they would get through the session, get through the day. And I would always ask the patients when they came in, um, like the first, the first time I saw them, and this, they would have to be, they, they would sit through this treatment five days a week for like six weeks for about half an hour, 40 minutes. So I'd ask them the first day, do you have a faith? You know, do you, do you believe, do you have a, a religious faith? Do you believe in something? And if they said yes, there's always some comfort there. Like I always knew we were going to get through this, like no matter what. You know, if they said yes to some kind of a faith, I knew it was, it was going to be okay somehow. Because what would often happen is that they would come in just hopeless, you know, just hopeless. And in, you know, suffering from really severe depression. And there are many, many sessions that I would sit there and we would just pray. The whole time, you know, I would offer up some prayers in whatever faith um, they were connected with. And it was really amazing, uh, the peace the comfort that would come. And again, it wouldn't take away the suffering, but it would, well, it would take away the suffering. It wouldn't take away the pain, but it would take away some suffering, you know, just connecting together in that way. And it was really powerful. And, you know, looking back with some of those patients, like that's what, that's what got us through that. You know, they came out the other side and maybe the, the treatment ended up working. Uh, the, the doctors that I worked for were really, really good. But there were some, you know, sketchy times in there that prayer really was the thing that that got us through it. And I feel like that wasn't something that we're looking for, like on the outside. That was that was an inner transformation of, uh, you know, kind of a transformation or transmuting uh, suffering into some kind of ease inwardly that we're looking for that was the intention yeah so those are two very uh, paradoxical or you know not maybe paradoxical but very different situations where prayer kind of had an effect on me and and so I just want to kind of go over maybe a, a, a couple different examples of this and then you know we can move into discussing it um, ourselves um, so this is this is something from Anam Tupton, who, as many of you know, is a wonderful Dzogchen Lama from the from the Nyingma tradition, who comes and teaches occasionally at Inside LA. Good friends with Trudy Goodman, and in his book No Self No Problem, uh, he writes, "Prayer is very beautiful." I learned in my own spiritual practice that prayer is one of the most powerful forces to bring about transformation of consciousness. 
prayer is powerful and heart-opening, especially when we make a true prayer. True prayer is prayer in which all of our resistance is transcended. Sometimes it is very powerful to pray to the truth and ask, may I overcome this delusion? May I transcend this delusion? When we make such prayers, most of the time, we almost immediately experience this pure, brilliant, awakened mind that is already free from all mental confusion and emotional upset. It's like we have climbed to the top of a high mountain and can see very clearly. We see the nature of truth as well as the nature of illusion. Therefore, I recommend that we all pray. Pray to the highest entity that is the truth. Pray to the highest truth to liberate us here and now. If we pray from the bottom of our hearts, then the inner realization always happens. So there he's talking about the inner, like praying for inner transformation. But here he talks about something a little bit different. Or maybe the same. We'll look at it. (laughs) So he tells another story about prayer in the same book. I remember the time I was trekking from from Tibet to Nepal with a few other people. It was very dangerous and there was only a bit of moonlight. I think he was escaping Tibet, actually. He says trekking, but I believe this is when he was escaping Tibet. It was very dangerous and there was only a little bit of moonlight. It was very bright and we, it wasn't very bright and we didn't have flashlights. At one point, we had to cross a fast-moving, thunderous, cascading river full of icy water. There was no bridge. There was just one log that we had to walk on to cross the river. I was terrified. In that moment, I prayed out of pure fear. In that moment of total fear, I had forgotten all of my meditative techniques. All of my fancy visualizations were gone, as well as all of my ways of analyzing mental states. Everything was gone. I was so terrified. I couldn't remember anything. But when I prayed, I felt this sudden bliss, calmness, and courage. I walked perfectly across the log, and I don't know how I did it. This has nothing to do with the miracle of divine intervention. This is simply about letting go of all delusions, all concepts, all fears, and just trusting in what is. What is is always perfect. We either die or we live. We are either poor or we're rich. We are either loved or hated by others. No matter, we are always perfect in what is. We are always perfect in that dimension of, actual, of actually purified reality. There is true prayer and there is pseudo-prayer. Praying to a God outside of ourselves as an all-powerful Father giving of all-powerful Father giving rewards and punishment is not true prayer. This kind of prayer has been done through millennia by humankind. With these kinds of prayers on their lips, armies march against each other each one believing their God to be the only true one. This kind of prayer can never lead us to the truth. 
It keeps us circling in a realm of fantasy. It is a fantasy, a fairy tale for grown-ups. True prayer work wakes us up from the world of fantasy and brings us in touch with truth in the highest spiritual union, what we call enlightenment. This union is total integration with reality, not some mystical la-la land. We can pray when we feel hindered by confusion, fear, or loneliness. We could pray even when we don't experience the gross levels of negative emotion. We could pray when we come across stagnation in our spiritual practice or when our meditation is not going anywhere. It's not a major crisis, but our spiritual practice is no longer moving forward. At those times, it is very powerful to pray. We could pray until our hearts are completely melted and all of our defensiveness falls apart. We could pray until we discover that we are completely in love with the truth, which was never separate from us in the first place. Very beautiful. So, yeah, so he, you know, he's, he's speaking a prayer in this, I think, this really, really beautiful way where it's, it's outside and inside. I mean, that the outside piece, he was praying to, to get across the log. <laughs> that was very outside. Uh, you know, it was very external. Like he, he wanted help with a certain thing. And yet, it was an inner transformation that happened. And in, in, in his view, you know, it was all about that inner transformation. It wasn't divine intervention. It was transforming transforming the, the mind itself. So it's, it's kind of an interesting thing where prayer can be seemingly to an outside force, but in, in Buddhism, it's always an outside force is a symbol only of something that's already inside. And somehow by, by praying to this external symbol, we actually purify something inside. And I think this is an interesting take, you know, on on prayer. Another, another little piece from Lama Suradas. Buddhism is a non-theistic tradition. There's no one to whom you're actually praying. Rather, the gest- gesture is intended to con- convey respect for everything that is, including your own Buddha nature. According to the law of karma, cause and effect, According to the law of karma, cause and effect, and because all things are interconnected, every act of body, speech, and mind has a result. For every action, there is a reaction. Thus, prayer and affirmation are viewed as ways of making things happen. So kind of like that, going back to that motivation and intention again. You know, prayer as a way of stating an intention. It's, a, it's an act you know, in a, in a way. So it's like the beginning of something that's setting emotion, you know, karma, a cause and effect situation to happen. I saw a video on the Dalai Lama and they were talking about prayer and, and, and peace and wanting peace. And, you know, the Dalai Lama is super realistic, you know, and he's saying, he's like, you know, we could pray, you know, we could pray for a thousand years, but that's not going to bring peace. 
you know, look at what happens. You, you can pray and, and whatnot, but that's not what's going to bring, bring peace. He's like, what's going to bring peace is ourselves acting in a peaceful way. You know, he just kind of brought it back to the reality that it's within ourselves. And he mentioned that, you know, is are the gods creating war? He's like, the gods are not creating war. If, if the gods created war, then yeah, pray to pray to the gods, say, please stop this. He's like, but the gods are not creating war. We are. We are the ones creating war. So therefore, we're going to be the ones that to stop it, you know. So, um, so maybe I'm going to read one more thing. Bear with me here. Just, just one more thing. And this is kind of pointing to the bodhicitta aspect, that second question that I had, which is, you know, is it more moti- Is it kind of a, a beginning of something? And then we'll go into, um, we're going to breakout rooms. Um, developing relative bodhicitta always involves two aspects, aspiration and application. Aspiration bodhicitta involves cultivating the heartfelt desire to raise all sentient beings to the level at which they completely recognize their true nature. We begin by thinking, I wish to attain complete awakening in order to help all sentient beings attain the same state. Most Buddhist practices begin with some sort of prayer expressing this aspiration. Simply reciting this prayer in whatever language or whatever terms you're familiar with is of course very helpful and that it helps us to broaden the goal of our practice. But such prayers and aspirations remain simply words until we actually spend time working with ordinary and immeasurable states of loving kindness and compassion. As we've seen, there's no way we can experience complete happiness and the end to suffering for ourselves without direct experience of our own and others' desire for happiness and release from suffering. So the key there is the direct experience. Yeah. So, yeah, I would love to jump out into breakout rooms and kind of twofold, like, what's been your experience with prayer? Because I think it's, it's an interesting one. It can be very personal and we can learn from one another with the kind of, quote unquote, pr- uh, power of prayer for transformation. And I will also put in these two questions in the chat box. And, and maybe you can kind of think of these yourselves in the group and see what you think. And that's, is prayer in Buddhism more directed towards an inner shift or to acquire something external, in your opinion? Or are those the same? And is prayer in Buddhism like relative and ultimate bodhicitta, where it is a good starting point on a relative level, just as an intention? As an intention to change the mind, and this is going to eventually turn into an experiential understanding. So that's all internal. So both of those two steps. The second question is all internal. But for one, is this kind of an aspiration? And then as a start, then it's leading towards an actual, an actualization of that intention. Yeah. 
And then the third one is what is your personal Yeah, what's your expert, uh, personal experience with prayer? All right. So, yeah, welcome back. So what came up? What came up for people? I'm, yeah, I'm interested because I wasn't in the group. Um, yeah, how was it? Thank you, Casey. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rick. Um, Julianne, do you want? I mean, I can go first, or I don't care. Or Julianne, I mean, just what? have a comment. I just wanted to say, well, I, a lot of us were raised Catholic. That's all. Go ahead, Richard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We raised Jewish too, so it's <laughs> yeah. I just um, it it was um, it was. I just want to say it was nice to you know go into the breakout room and find out that we all shared a lot of trepidation about even talking about this, and um, it. Um, you know, I had a, I was uncertain about whether I was going to even attend this, um, uh, you know, this session mm -hmm. for, for the very reasons that we encountered, and it was nice to find that. Um, I mean, we all had good, you know, we all had, you know, I believe uh, the energy of our intentions was beneficial. Um, it was just the experience of what prayer has meant in the past and such. <clears throat> And I'm glad that we were able to share about that. It feels it opens me up to what I could, you know, do because I've been I've been processing how I could integrate prayer in my practices, and mm -hmm. like it was it made you know spiritual sense. Um, so thanks for the opportunity. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you, Casey. It's wonderful. Now we have the Christian and the Jew. I mean, I mean I'll, I'll chime in as a Muslim. Same thing. <laughs> so you get all the four, three good religions in there. But I think there is nothing wrong with having a personal God. I think it's like very beneficial also, because uh, as like a Buddhist uh, looking at it, it changes the condition. It changes the condition that you know affects us. Mm -hmm. So if one believes that there is an external God and just uh, has been deeply ingrained, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a great uh, <clears throat> condition that changes, you know, uh, that ent getting entangled into the suffering when it comes in. It says, see, or she says that, you know, there's God in there, he's going to take care of it, or there's always a higher good. Actually, I was making an example in the group uh, that we were sharing uh, at my friend's uh sister uh down in airmine actually a few years ago maybe 10 years ago or so is uh, he, he was 18 and then they got a, they got a car for him for his birthday so he went out and had an accident and he passed away mm -hmm. so uh yeah so i was there and then she was praying to god you know and then like not i mean very very much calm i'm sure later on she was crying and then the other stuff but that condition of believing in an external God gave her so much strength in, internally that nothing would have been able to help with all sorts of logic analysis. Maybe the Dalai Lama would be able to transcend that, but I think that was the only, the external God that helped her, mm. you know, cope with that condition at that time. Mm -hmm. So I saw that and I felt it experiential. Thanks, Casey, it's a wonderful topic, uh, huge topic as, and then a personal interest of mine, but. 
I, 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 yeah, I think these really, <laughs> the religious groups mess it up. But personal God is a, is a wonderful <laughs> idea to have. And I'm actually looking for one. <laughs> <laughs> I gave it up. Now I'm looking for one. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. I'll speak as the person who did not grow up with a particular um, religious faith and who always felt um, that that was something lacking, um, that I was kind of like jealous that I didn't grow up with, a, you know, a particular faith. But mm -hmm. um, later, I actually came to realize the value of it because I realized that I didn't have a lot of hangups about certain things because of that. And I was able to think critically because of it, I think, in many ways. Um, mm -hmm. But I also really do believe in prayer. I really do believe in it because I, I have seen that it works. Um, mm -hmm. And I, can't, I did come to it somehow on my own. And um, I think that for me, it's always, it's always very connected to truth, truth. Um, so I think that it's always internal to me if it's really prayer, if it's like, I mean, that's how I define it, I guess. If, if, if it's praying to, you know, to get certain external things, I think the things that you, that you pray for to get externally happen, I think they'll come if there are things that are truth. If there are mm -hmm. things that are, you know, towards truth, then, then, like that's how it's worked for me. Like when I've mm -hmm. been very truthful for myself about what's going on with myself and I've mm -hmm. prayed, then the things that I have wanted have happened because I was moving toward truth. Mm. Wonderful, thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, hi, hi. thanks Casey. I was just gonna um, share that uh, just a little bit of my experience with prayer mm -hmm. and and um yeah just having a lot of trepidation about it it just um almost hostility toward it you know because of you know just wanting to get away from what i encountered as a child or you know mm -hmm. um and it's and it's taken me some time to to understand or to change my the way i think about it and, mm -hmm. and um, you know, so I have a connection to a Unitarian Universalist church um, or fellowship here in Durham. And, and when they talk about prayer, it's, um, you know, it just, it doesn't sound at all like uh, anything that I grew up with. It's much more, you know, you might start a prayer like to, you know, to the spirit of all that is true or, mm -hmm. you know, to the to the spirit of all that is good or something. Um, it does, it, it sort of changes uh, what I think of as prayer. And also I think doing a lot of um, loving kindness meditation has made me realize how much I actually do pray because I do really feel like that is real prayer. Um, and and so the other and and just the last thing I shared this in my small group. It's just a quote um, that it, uh, is: "Prayer is a long, loving look at the real." That's Walter mm. Burkhart. Love that. Mm -hmm. Thank Very you. Cool. Thank you. Mm. 
thanks, Casey, for saying that. You know, in your in your, in your experience, when you saw the patients, if there are, there was some sort of a, a fate in them, you knew there was a way out. So that's that that spoke deeply to me. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I um, growing up Southern Baptist, I have a this is a triggering topic for me. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and whenever I go back to visit my family, you know, there's always prayers at the dinner table and they're always, uh, I, I, I think I put my finger on what bothers me about it is they're very divisive prayers. They're not inclusive. They're us mm -hmm. and them, us, the Christians, us, the believers, give mm -hmm. us special treatment um help all the others in the world to see our version of the truth um it just uh yeah so yeah i guess uh my karma i'll, I'll continue to uh <laughs> to sit with that um but i i do really appreciate uh the topic even though it's uh, you know brings some discomfort um and uh, yeah, and the, the Anam Tupton example, for me, the way I framed, you know, his prayer of crossing the river was like an acknowledgement of the truth of like, I'm really scared and I don't want to die like this. Mm -hmm. And just, um, yeah, and I, I really appreciate the reframe of like praying to praying to the truth and and not overlaying concepts onto what that truth is. Mm -hmm. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I um, expressed in my uh, small group uh, very similar um, things. Um, we had a lot in common. And I was raised um, in the Jewish faith where there's a prayer for everything. And for me as a child, I think I love the, the liturgical sacred aspect of just hearing Hebrew. I didn't even know what the words at a very young age were, but just this whole experience of the Sangha, this group of people, you know, in prayer saying this sacred to me, what was the sacred language of prayer um, was was always a good thing once I grew up and I and I learned some of the words and, and the mm -hmm. in, and the lack of inclusion, the this, even even in, in, especially in gender, mm -hmm. um, but also um, as um, um, Richard brought up, we we are the chosen people. So that that was very um, you know um, alienating. But uh, now being a, a yoga teacher and practicing Kundalini yoga and Hatha yoga and Tai Chi and Qigong um, and meditating and chanting, I that has really broadened my perspective and, and healed a lot of that um, initial view of what prayer was so that um, as a massage therapist of 32 years, I, I pray well when I'm working. I pray when I have, when I lay my hands on someone, they are sacred and I, and I'm in prayer while I'm working. And mm -hmm. um, for me to bring the sacred in, in everything that I do, has been a huge healing 
and a, and a way of including and connecting and and healing so thank you wonderful i'm so appreciating hearing from all of you that's <laughs> so nice yeah and experiences yeah, thanks so much for this talk this morning and for everyone's shares mm -hmm. um i'll try to say two quick things i see the time um, one, I was just remembering growing up Catholic and going to church and at the prescribed time, everybody stands up and <laughs> and so many times I felt like, what am I doing? I don't care. But other times when it was, when I, when I wanted it, I could have such deep, you know, prayer of gratitude to God for good things, or I could have a deep prayer of good wishes for someone else or whatever. And so I think it feels so, so similar actually sometimes to when I sit down on the cushion or I don't want to sit down on the cushion. I have that aversion. Like it's really not that different. You know, I can still, I can still sort of be really into my practice when I want to really be into my practice and then have a version mm -hmm. where like, I really, really am reluctant and something's in my way and whatnot. And it just, it reminds me of that same experience of like, sometimes I was standing up and saying words I didn't really feel like saying. Um, and sometimes sometimes I'm out of touch too with my intention when it comes to my meditation practice, you know, today. Um, the other thing I was gonna share is just a little anecdote. Um, some people may know I am once again pregnant and I was at these ultrasounds and <laughs> yes, thank you guys. Um, I was at these ultrasounds and everything is looking great uh there's like one thing the doctor's a little concerned about so we keep monitoring it so i had a ultrasound the doctor said okay well for right now everything looks good but of course that's never a guarantee of you know what the future holds and i said oh of course i'm a buddhist i, I totally <laughs> believe that like whatever can still happen i'm i'm very happy right now this is great news but of course i understand that anything can happen and he said, really, that's so interesting because I, we could have a great conversation about that because I believe in the sovereignty of the Lord. I bet we could have a real interesting conversation about that. So here's a guy who looks at babies to make, you know, who are developing to see if there are issues and whatnot. And I reflected a lot on, on that exchange. And I thought like, there's some amount of like, he and I believe the same thing, which is that we are not in control. And he says, oh, that's the sovereignty of the Lord. And I say, oh, that's causes and conditions. But what we're both doing is developing our relationship to that being reality. Right. And, you know, for me, it's with this one baby <clears throat> me right now, but he sees babies <laughs> day after day after day, and, you know, and, and, and deals with the uncertainty of, of how it's going to turn out. Um, he's a, this is a high risk pregnancy doctor. So um, that's like mm -hmm. his whole job so you know so i just thought you know what it's kind of like i kind of believe in the aggregate of a bunch of unknowns and he believes in in like a per you know sort of a a personalized force that brings the same outcome um okay. anyway i just want to share that thanks everybody yeah yeah that, that's actually beautiful that's like we all have yeah d yeah d different ways of looking at truth but ultimately 
we all come to the same conclusion of that we have to learn to be with what is, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, whether it be, yeah, praying, you know, like Ollie was saying, we have praying in a higher power in that situation when that, that woman lost her, her son, or just continue, continuously looking at what is until that becomes our reality, like the impermanence of change and then things like this, just to be mindful of it. So we're going to end with a prayer, like we always do. We're going to dedicate the merit with a little prayer. So allowing, allowing your eyes to close for a moment and just connecting with the tender part of your heart. And maybe touching in with what we were just talking about, the reality of what is. This can definitely be difficult to be with. And so just wishing for all beings, ourselves included, that we all are able to be with what is in a graceful way. And thinking of all the goodness that came about through our discussion together, may that be felt in the heart spaces of all beings everywhere without exception. May all beings be happy. May all beings be free from suffering. Om Mani Padme Om. Thank you again so much for coming on this beautiful summer day, at least where I am. I think where most of us are, it's gorgeous outside. We've all decided to take some time to stay indoors, look at a computer screen, um, just to support each other um, in, in this uh, turning inward and being with what is. So thank you so much, very much. Really, really appreciate all of you. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.